Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Ask Heavenly Father that you will breathe upon your word, that your word will challenge us, O God, that this will be another part, O God, of the puzzle that you're putting together as we journey, O God, into your promises, O God, into the things, Heavenly Father, that you have ordained for us in this season, into the new, almighty, and everlasting God. Father, we just thank you, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want a title for today's sermon, um, the title Joshua, It Is Time would be the title uh, for today's sermon. Joshua, It Is Time. And as I share this story, I, I want you to see Joshua as a type of you and I. Uh, this incident that took place at the start of the book of Joshua, marks an acceleration, a change in gear uh, as the children of Israel journey towards God's promises. If you would turn in your Bibles to Joshua, the first chapter, I would love to read to you from verse 1 to verse 9. Joshua, the first chapter, verse 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. Put yourself in Joshua's position. Just try and imagine how this young man found himself at this point in time, at this place, at this point in time. 
He'd served faithfully as Moses' assistant. And suddenly Moses dies. And the responsibility, the weight of leading these people, who as you know were not the easiest people to lead, fell upon his shoulders. There's a lot that we can learn from the life of Joshua, and especially for today certainly from these nine verses of Scripture that we have read. And I would like to share some of these things with you because I believe that they apply to us as we journey into God's promises for you and I. Number one, it was clear that this was a time of transition. This was the time or the process or period of changing from one situation, a set of circumstances, one state or one condition to another. As I said, Joshua would have been focused in his assignment as Moses' assistant. But suddenly Moses was no longer there. There was a vacuum that needed to be filled. And Joshua found himself being thrust into this new place, this position of responsibility. Massive shoes to fill. In a similar way, it is obvious that we are in a time of transition. That things are changing, and believe me, they are changing rapidly. That we are in the process of that change, that transition. We are passing from one state to another, one place to another, one condition to another. And believe me, and I hope you know it, you are in transition. There is change all around you. You must discern it so that you can align with it and flow with what God has planned, not just for you, but for your family. Believe me, for the church and certainly without a shadow of doubt for the nations. We are clearly in a time of transition. What has become one of my favorite scriptures out of the Songs of Songs, and especially the translation uh, from the Passion Translation, drives home this point of transition and change. Believe me, you are in transition. In the same way that Joshua found himself in this process of tra transition, you are in transition. My prayer is that God will open your eyes so that you can understand what is happening around you, so that you can cooperate with God, so that he can take you from where you are to the next stage in your life. This is the time for you to enter the new. In Songs of Songs, the second chapter, Verses 11 to 13. Listen to the, words of, to the word of God as it emphasizes the fact that this is a time of change. The Bible says the season has changed 
and I believe this is your portion. It speaks prophetically to what I declare is happening in your life. The bondage of your barren winter has ended and the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the queen of the doves in our land filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place, for now is the time to arise and come with me. In the poetic language of the Songs of Songs, it drives home the point. The season has changed. Thankfully, it's a good change for you. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. The season of hiding is over and gone. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. Can you not discern this new day of destiny? And that's where our theme for pursuit of God is taken from. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? It's breaking forth and may God allow you to discern it. The early signs, God says, of my purposes and plans are bursting forth and someone can say amen to that. And then the flowers are whispering and we can hear the whispers it might be a whisper, but it is so clear. We can hear it clearly. There is change in the air. And then I love how it ends. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. I can hear the Holy Spirit saying that to us. Cooperate with me. Allow me. Follow me. Be led by me. Arise. Let's go on to a higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me, the scriptures say. Uh, title for this message, Joshua, it is time. You might as well put your name there. Uh, I, I say, Agu, it is time. I say concerning my wife, Shola, it is time. I say concerning you, put your name there. It is time. This is the time of transition and the time of change. Number two. It is a change that is orchestrated by God. He announces it to Joshua in an almost dramatic way. The end of an era, the end of a season, the start of another in much the same way that he has announced to us that he is doing a new thing as we journey into his promises. He says to Joshua in the second verse of Joshua the first chapter, Moses my servant is dead. 
now therefore, as a result of that, because I have closed that season, because I am moving on, because I am asking you to come to a higher place, as the Songs of Songs says, because I am doing a new thing, something that is unprecedented in your life, in your family, in the church, in the nation. Because I am on the move, God is saying. Because I am changing things. He says, now therefore, as a result of that, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. As a result of the transition, as a result of the change of era, as a result of the change of batons, as a result of the change of seasons, because God is in charge of it, he announces that as a result of that, there is something to do. You have to arise and go. There's an instruction that is out there I heard it for myself. I can hear it for you. It is time to arise and go. It is time to move in obedience to God. It is time to hear the voice of God where God is saying, saying to you, arise and go. In your personal life, there's an arise and go instruction. For your family, there's an, arise, there's, there's an instruction to arise and go. Believe me, the church is in the kind of change that you and I have never experienced. It is time for the church to arise and go. Frankly, it is time for a new church to be bo born. It is time for change in the nations. Time to, for nations to arise to fulfill God's plans and purposes for them. It is time, God is saying. And we must understand that God is orchestrating it. He's in absolute control. He is unfolding his plans in this season with such precision. He's unfolding his plans for your life, for your family, for his church, and for the nations. And you know, it's interesting that there were a lot of things that preceded this season of change that Joshua was unaware of. When I look back and see the, the things that took place in the run-up uh, to this transition, a lot of them Joshua would have been unaware of. These were things that were happening between God and Moses. If you, if you, if you turn in your Bibles, flick back um, from Joshua 1 to the last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 to 6. I, I read this and my, 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 my fear, reverential fear for God went to another level. Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 to 6. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the south, the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. I, 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 I pause there, and, and I, just, I, just, I just am afraid of God. A reverential fear. God just sits in heaven 
and does exactly as he pleases. He is in absolute control. Moses was, in terms of prophets, he got as close to God as was possible. God's, the Bible has glowing testimonies of Moses. God spoke to him face to face. God called him his friend. He spent 40 days on a mountain with God. The interaction transformed him so much that he was physically transformed by his proximity to God. He came down from the mountain and his proximity to God, his being in the presence of God, had so infused him that physically his face was glowing. He, he's the only one who, who said to God, show me who you are, show me your person. And, and as a result of the depth of their relationship, God hides him in the cleft of the rock, covers his, his eyes so he doesn't see him because who can see God and live? But as God goes back, God uncovers his eyes and allows him to get a glimpse of God. No one else. And yet, God decided, because he stepped out of turn, that he wasn't going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And God shows him, this is what would have been yours. We can't pretend that we fully understand God. His ways are past finding out. Unbelievable, that God, the God that we serve. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we have to be mortal enough to submit to God's sovereignty. Knowing, of course, that every action he takes concerning you and I has as, at its foundation his love for us because God is love. But we can't pretend that we have all the answers. Believe me, we'll be confronted at certain times in our lives with circumstances where we can just yield to the sovereignty of God and know that we don't fully understand. We see in part, when we get to heaven, we will be able to see the full picture. And then listen, listen to what happens. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth, Beth Poor. But no one knows his grave to this day. God himself buried Moses. There were things that were happening which we don't, even, we don't understand. Obviously so. God says, no, you can't take them in, but you're so special to me that I am going to bury you myself. God conducted his burial himself. Nobody else there. God, until today, no one knows. No one has found his body where God buried him. And all this was happening around Joshua, and Joshua was unaware. I said to a friend recently that, I sense so much spiritual activity in this season. So much spiritual activity. I said to him that the way King's Cross would be at the rush hour prior to the pandemic is how I sense this, the, there's activity in the spirit realm. Of course, in King's Cross, it was human beings moving around. But in the spirit realm, there's so much movement of spirit. So many things that are happening that are ushering in a new season in your life. Things that we are unaware of, sometimes blissfully unaware of, that are taking place. But believe me, as much as there is positive spiritual activity, 
bringing about God's plans and purposes. There is a lot of negative spiritual activity that is trying to truncate God's plans and purposes in our lives. That's why we must stay in the place of prayer, birthing God's plans and purposes in this season. Number three. The instruction to Joshua, every place the sole of your foot treads upon I have given to you. Number three, you possess what you tread upon. For Joshua and the children of Israel, it was, a, it was land that was physical. God said to him, everywhere, Joshua 1 verses 3 and 4, that your foot treads upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. It is your territory. Well, do you know that for us, it's not necessarily physical land, and that's a part of it, a small part of it, the, the, the physical land. But for us, we have territory. There is land that we are encouraged to tread upon for the instruction. The promise is wherever the sole of your foot treads upon, you possess. So for you and I, there is land, territory that God has given us. You ask me, what is that territory? I tell you that the territory that has been given to us are the promises that God has made concerning you and I in his book, the Bible. That is our land for us to possess. We are to tread upon those promises and possess those promises. They were written in that book for you and I. That's God's personal letter to you and I, telling you and I of his plans and his intentions for us. It is land for us to possess, territory that is ours. It has your name and my name on, on it. And we tread upon those promises to possess them in the same way that just Joshua would tread, was instructed to tread upon physical land to possess the land. How do you and I tread on the promises of God? We tread on them by how we read the Word of God, how we study the Word of God. We'll talk a bit more about this. How we meditate on the Word of God and how we ask in submission to the Spirit for revelation about that particular scripture, that particular promise, that particular portion of the land, the territory that is yours. And then we speak it and confess it. We literally own the, the scripture as we read, study, meditate, get revelation from the Spirit, speak it, confess it. We own that territory. That's how we tread on what is ours. That is our territory. And it is by treading on that territory that we see a physical manifestation. For Joshua and the children of Israel, it was purely physical. But for us, there is the spiritual dimension of treading on the promises that births in the physical what God has purposed for you and I. Number four, the fourth thing. There will be opposition, but we have a, a promise of God that we will overcome any opposition. Number four, you will overcome any opposition. The enemy will do what he has been designed, what he, what he has given himself as an assignment. He will do 
what is his mandate. His mandate is made clear in John the 10th chapter and the 10th verse. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his mandate. And he will go about his mandate. He's roaming around, the Bible tells us, walking around to and fro, looking for who to devour. He's there to devour. He's there to steal. He's there to kill. He's there to destroy. He's there to stop you from entering God's promises. In the same way that the children of Israel Israel faced opposition. It's a graphic picture of our own lives. God had given them. He says, I've given you the land. In the same way that God has given us his promises, he has given us his word. But then, even though God says he has given them the land, there was so much opposition from from hostile tribes who were determined that these people must not enter that promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey, that Canaan that has been given to them. We must stop them at all, at, at all costs. And hence the fighting that took place against Hittites and Hevites and Jebusites, hostile tribes, of course against Philistines and Amalekites and so many others who had a mandate. They had a mission. Their mission was stop them from entering the promised land. I'm sure you understand that it's a type and a shadow of our reality today, that there is an organized hierarchy of wickedness. Paul makes it clear to us in Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the 12th verse, that this is who you fight against. This is who you wrestle against. Not flesh and blood, but an organized hierarchy of wickedness. Bodiless persons, spirits who are the control of the enemy, and they want to stop you and I from possessing our territory. Our territory are the promises that God has made, and we also will face that opposition. We have to fight our way through against the opposition. Uh, it, is the, it is the pattern of the enemy, uh, especially at an early stage, because he knows that when it grows to a certain level, he can't do anything. So at an early stage, he tries to kill, to steal, to destroy. He marshals his forces. And this is that early stage, the early stage of the new, the early stage of the birthing of the new. At this point in transition, when the enemy senses that there's a transition that's taking place that is working against him, he marshals his forces. We saw it with, with Moses' life. The enemy must have sensed that there's, a, there's someone who's going to be born who is a deliverer. And what does the enemy do? He marshals his forces. He uses Pharaoh. Pharaoh instructs the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Poah, that you must kill every son that is born to the people of Israel. But of course, the Hebrew midwives, as we know, decided that they would rather obey God than Pharaoh. What did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh instructs his own officials, any son that is born to these people, you must take that son and throw him into the Nile. I'm sure if you understand spiritual things, you know that that was a sacrifice of the sons of Israel to the God of Pharaoh, the God of the Nile. Well, the enemy wants to do the same. He wants to 
attack us at this infant stage, at this early stage. It's what he did with Jesus as well. He sensed that there's a transition, something is happening. There's a change in gear, uh, much as there is now. There's an acceleration that is taking place. As he listened to the wise men, it was confirmed to him that something is taking place. He didn't fully understand it, but he understood enough, because of course the enemy does not have foreknowledge, but he understood enough to know that there is something that is wrapped up about the destiny of the world, your destiny and my destiny, in this baby that is born. And so he told the wise men, when you get there and find him, let me know. Of course, the wise men, on the instruction and the leading of God, got there and, and gave their gifts and worshipped the child and left without telling him. The Bible says that he was so enraged, the Matthew, the second chapter, and the 16th verse. The Bible says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise, wise men. He will go to any lengths. He is desperate now. You see it all around. He is angry. He knows that his end is near. He is enraged, infuriated. That's why you and I are encouraged to be careful and circumspect in how we live our lives because there's an enemy that is out there that is enraged and he's trying at this point in time to do what he tried to do with, with, with Moses and failed and what he tried to do with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and failed. Can you imagine the extent he went through? He said to them, any child that is under two years old in this area must be killed. The innocents were massacred because the enemy was determined to stop the transition from taking place, to stop the change in eras, to stop the change in gear, to prevent the new from coming to pass. The enemy failed with Moses. He failed with Jesus. And I want to assure you that he has failed with you. He will not kill that baby that is being born. And I use that as a metaphor to talk about God's plans and purposes for your life. The enemy will not be able to kill it. God said to Joshua that you have the grace and anointing to overcome the opposition. And I release that anointing into your life. As he said to Joshua in the fifth verse of Joshua, the first chapter, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I declare to you that no spirit, no evil spirit, no, no man that is propelled and controlled by any evil spirit will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As long as you stay with God, you will fulfill God's plans and purposes. That baby, I use the term metaphorically, shall not be killed by the enemy, but it shall grow and fulfill God's plans and purposes. That means that the fullness of God's plans and purposes for your life will surely come to pass. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? I declare that God is for you, so no one can be against you. Number five, 
Three times in those verses, God encourages Joshua to have strength and courage. And you know, Joshua needed strength and courage. Put yourself in his shoes. He's suddenly faced with this daunting task of leading a stiff-necked and troublesome people. He's seen the amazing anointing on Moses' life. He has to step into those shoes. Who wouldn't need strength and courage? Believe me, on this journey, we need strength and courage. You need strength and courage to step into the new thing that God has purposed for you. And you know, he needed strength and courage to hold on to God's promise, God's word. May God give you that strength and courage. Right now, I come against every spirit of fear that is operating in, in or around your life. I rebuke that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Right now, I command in the name of Jesus that spirit of fear to take its ugly hands off your life, off your children, off your loved ones, in the mighty name of Jesus. I address that spirit of fear. You have to leave that family, leave that daughter, that son of God. You must do that now in the name of Jesus. I release by the grace of God his spirit to bring strength and courage, boldness to you. May you have the boldness of a lion to possess the territory that God has destined is yours. Number six. If there's one thing that is clear from these verses, especially verses seven and eight, it is this, that the Bible is key. Is it any wonder that Paul calls it the sword of the spirit, the word of God? If we are fighting then our weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which Paul makes clear in the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, is the Word of God. And in these scriptures, these instructions that God gives Joshua, there are so many nuggets that are hidden in it in relation to the Word of God. He says to Joshua in verse 7, Joshua 1 verse 7, after encouraging him to be strong and courageous, he says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. That you may prosper wherever you go. What is he saying? That to prosper wherever you go, you have to have the courage, the conviction, the boldness, the strength to obey the word of God. And I'm sure you know that in these times, it's becoming increasingly harder to do so. There's so much pressure to compromise. There's pressure on you from your peers to compromise not so that you don't stand out, so that you don't seem queer, you don't seem uh, uh, peculiar, you don't seem different. There's so much pressure on you 
to just kind of blend in, to, in a sense, adulterate the Word of God, you know, reduce it. I mean, this is the 21st century. They try to make us believe that the Bible is an archaic, outdated, irrelevant, ancient book. But then you and I know from our personal experience that the Bible is as relevant today. The Word of God is as relevant for the children of God, and we must stand on the Word of God. As we deal with the prevailing cancel culture, that is the order of the day, the attempt to ostracize, to socially ostracize, ostracize you in so many ways. I faced it personally, as you well know. We faced it as a church, as a small group of people who we have said, live your life, but allow us to stand on the word of God. Who, they have refused to do so. They don't want us to stand on the Word of God, to, to stand on what we believe is the Word of God. We're saying it doesn't, it's, it's okay. It's a pluralistic society. We understand, yes, people have different views. We respect your views. It's your choice. They're your views. But please do respect our views, respect our choice. Our choice is based on the Word of God. But no, because of the cancel culture, they want to try and ostracize. But I say, no, you can't do that. It's the Word of God. I will stand on the Word of God. That's my Christian belief. I will stand on my Christian belief. That is the word of God. So the pressure comes to try and compromise. But then the Bible says, be careful to observe, to do according to the law, which the law of God, the word of God. Obey. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. No matter how difficult it is that you may prosper in whatever you do. And you know, talking about the word of God, uh, verse 8 encourages us, to do what I mentioned, to read, study, meditate, and critically to confess the Word of God. We understand, we have a revelation like we've never had as to the power of the Word of God on our lips. We understand it clearly. We understand our mandate to have dominion, to rule, um, not rule for ourselves, but to enforce the rule of God. We understand it. And we understand that we do that by the confession of the Word of God. We shape our world by confessing what we believe. But we understand like never before that we are regents, we are kings, we are here to rule on behalf of our Lord and Savior. We understand that as kings as re and regents that we make decrees as we are led by the Spirit of God. Not our own decrees, absolutely not. But we echo what we have heard God say. We echo what we have read, uh, what, what God has said to us in his word. We enforce decrees and we make declarations. We understand that the power of the word of God is in how we receive it, believe it, and how we speak it. And so we are encouraged to do so. We understand critically that the Bible is key to our success on this journey. Number seven, as I end, and I want to end on this note, and it's such a comforting one. He says to him as he ends these nine verses that we just read, he says to him, or the Bible says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And can I end on that note? Sometimes it doesn't seem like it. My sister, it might be 
you might be taking it on all sides and wondering, where is God? My brother, it seems so topsy-turvy. You feel like you are, your life is being turned upside down. Your life is literally doing cartwheels on its own volition. It seems like it's hard on this side and that side. But I want to say to you that it's not our feelings that determine whether God is with us. It is the truth of the word of God. And God says to you, and receive this in your spirit, he is with you wherever you go. So the key for us is to be completely yielded to his spirit so that his spirit leads us. As long as his spirit leads us, Romans 8 verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As long as his spirit is leading us, then we are not stepping out of turn. We are obeying his word, his guarantees, I'm with you wherever you go. Wherever my spirit takes you, I am with you. So my sister, be encouraged. It doesn't look like it. But believe me, it will soon change and you will be, you will, it will be clear to you that he was with you all the time. My brother, be encouraged. He is with you even in the midst of that storm. He is with you. Let's hold on to that and hold on to what we, learn, what we have learned about this acceleration. This, in this journey, we have entered a place where the gears have changed. You will notice as we go forward that the gear has changed. It's moved on. There is an acceleration that is taking place as we are ushered into what God has planned for us. Father, we thank you and bless you for your word. Let it challenge us. Let it encourage us, O oh God. Give us the boldness to stand on the truth of Scripture, Heavenly Father, irrespective of the pressure that comes our way, O oh God. Father, we bless you. We give you all the praise. And if there's anyone out there who hasn't given their lives to Christ, you're listening, you're watching, you're on any of our platforms, to embark on this journey without Jesus, without being led by the Spirit, is foolhardy. It is an exercise in futility that can only have one outcome. And the outcome, believe me, will be a painful one. The only reason that we're standing and have hope in the midst of this uncertainty that the world faces is because we have Jesus in the boat of our lives. And if you would love to have him in your life, you can do so. Just open up your heart and receive him. How do you receive him? By confessing and believing what you say. By saying a simple prayer like this with me. Will you say that prayer with me? If you will, why don't we say it together? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus Christ. I receive him into my life as my Lord and Savior. I commit to obeying your word, to turning away from anything that is sinful in my life. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift that Jesus is. As I receive him, I declare that I am now a member of your family, born again today into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you said that prayer, you believed every word you spoke. 
It's as simple as that because, of course, the difficult part has been done by Jesus. He's already paid the price. You are now a member of God's family. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, church, let's look forward to the rest of the journey. I'm sure you know that today something has happened. There's been an acceleration, a change of gears. Uh, the transition is in full flow. And we are beginning to enter deeper into what God has planned for us. God has planned amazing things for you. He's doing a new thing in your life. Embrace it. In Jesus' name. Amen.